You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. There was once a dream, you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith. Well, if it isn't the Star-Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some pixie dust around, grab your happiest thought, and fly away with me, your Spider-Pan Jeremy, to Neverland. And later on in the show... Lost Boy Eric will come along and take you to Universal. I know, the enemy park, right? He took a fantastic trip to go and visit both Universal Studios Hollywood and Disney's California Adventure. And today, at least, he's going to tell us about Universal. Uh, He previously, you know, we talked together on all this stuff and we had recorded this together, this show and everything. And we've had some technical problems. So this is actually me re-recording to go over some interesting news that I found. And then I'm going to just pass it over to uh, the recording that we did manage to save of him telling me all about his trip at Universal and some of the rides he's experienced, along with some ride audio that he has shared. So we've got a lot of fun to have, and let's just dive right into some Neverland news. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Alrighty, there are some new adventures available on the Disney Cruise Line. Uh, There is some new meetings with uh, Doctor Strange, which he's going to show you a few mystic things. Of course, it's stuff mainly for the kids to do. So, yeah, if you're my age and you're kind of a big kid, you're not going to be able to do this. There's also uh, some new Star Wars fun to be had. Uh, Kind of a Star Wars command-based type of thing where you are going to join the Resistance and uh, prepare to fight against the First Order. It's part of Disney's Oceaneer Club. Uh, So, of course, you got the Star Wars command post. Uh, There is a Star Wars hollow table, actually even in there, that's going to project 3D images of the Millennium Falcon and the Death Star and some other famous Star Wars ships. But of course you get to meet members of the Resistance and you learn to channel the Force. Uh, There's also going to be some stuff for the family because of course the kids are going to get to meet Doctor Strange and go and have some Star Wars fun. But there's going to be some tasty treats out there. Uh, There is over at the Sweet On You Ice Cream Shop, which of course named after the Mickey Mouse cartoon shorts. Uh, There is going to be some handcrafted gelato and ice cream, some specialty sundaes, some homemade chocolates, truffles, and a large selection of candy for purchase. And it all really just steps away from the family pool. So there's a lot of stuff. Plus, you know, there is going to be some stuff from Tiffany and Company that's going to be on board the Disney Fantasy. uh, So you can do some shopping. Uh, All these new enhancements will debut on the Disney Fantasy starting May 17th from Port Canaveral. Uh, So yes, they found another way to get even more money out of you by having some very expensive items that you're going to want. (laughs) Now this is pretty cool. Okay, so you would probably remember remember previously that we have spoken with both Kay Mallins and Peter Whitehead, who both work in Marceline at the Disney Hometown Museum. Well, they went and uh, were teaching some new Disney cast members as part of the, uh, oh, what do you call it, like the Disney College? They were teaching them about Walt's past and Walt's history in Marceline, which really is cool. It'd be very, very exciting because, you know, Kay's, you know, met Walt and you know, she's got a lot of great stories. And if you were a part of the Planet Comic Con last year and you came to my panel, these are the two that were at my panel. 
Uh, so this is really kind of a cool news that they got to do this, and I've been reading, you know, Peter Whitehead on Facebook. He's been kind of documenting the entire trip and stuff like that. It's been very, very cool, and they're very wonderful people. And uh, you got to make sure you come to Planet Comic Con this year because Eric and I will both be there, and we're going to talk about Walt Disney's history actually in my hometown of Kansas City, which is very, very cool. In other news, outside of the world of Disney, Boomerang is starting a pay service. It's going to cost $4.99. It's going to be similar to Netflix, and this is where you're going to get to watch some classic animation. And by classic, I mean, you know, when Boomerang first started, and I remember I was sick uh, on one day and I, when I first discovered the channel, and they had, like, every day was a, a different show, and it was the week would be an era, like a certain year, and they were playing old Hanna-Barbera shows. And uh, they've kind of really gotten away from that, and the channel's not as good as I think as it used to be, personally. Because I really love those classic Hanna-Barbera and Warner Brothers cartoons. So now we have a streaming service that's going to have some Looney Tunes, some Scooby-Doo, some Flintstones, some Jetsons, a few new series as well. Uh, this will be available on your Roku, uh, your Android device, uh, your Apple TV, you know, that type of a thing. Uh, it's supposed to be available soon. If you want to be able to get some updates, go to boomerang.com and you're supposed to be able to sign up for updates and uh, set up your subscription to check it out. Uh, I am quite interested in this because I do love some of those classic cartoons. Just don't know if I would have time to watch them all. All right. Uh, now, this may be some old news. And uh, I, you know, when I've seen the article posted up where people have shared it, it is dated for last year. But yet I have seen some posts of people talking about this. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. July 19th, 2019 was set as release date for Indiana Jones 5. Now, George Lucas has not been mentioned in this, but this is Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg back together with Lucasfilm, which is now, of course, a Disney property. Uh, so this will be Disney's first Indiana Jones film. I'm hoping it's going to be good. It won't be probably quite the same with George Lucas. Some people are probably uh, are slightly happy with that because of what happened with the fourth one and uh, the strange direction George decided he wanted the story to go. Um, but you know what? It's it, It'll still be good. It'll be different without George because, you know, like The Force Awakens, it's different without George's input into it. Uh, it's still a great movie, but, you know, it did feel different from the other Star Wars films, uh, at least in my opinion. But speaking of Star Wars, Star Wars Rebels has been announced to have a fourth season. I still need to go back and pick up where I left off in the season two. I finally managed to finish watching the season six of The Clone Wars before it gets pulled from Netflix. I mean, it is still on Netflix right now, but it is supposed to be getting pulled pretty quick. Uh, but I did manage to finish watching it, so now I get to jump in on Rebels, finish watching season two, get in on season three, and catch up as quick as I can before season four. And speaking of being renewed for another season, DuckTales, woohoo, has been announced for a second season, which the first season is, is supposed to begin over the summer. Uh, so it's kind of uh, impressive that we've already got a season two announced when no one has seen a, seen a single episode. But we've gotten to see some footage. There's uh, even been something I've seen here lately, an ad where it's kind of uh, Donald Duck's face is kind of center and you can see all these crazy adventure things happening all around him, uh, which looks really fun and exciting. And I'm still excited for this. I know not everybody is. There's some purists that really uh, don't want to have anything mess with what they have from the 1987. And we'll always have the 1987 original series and I'll always love it. But I'm you know willing to dive into this because it looks like fun, and I really do enjoy the line there in that, that teaser we had where Launchpad McQuack is like, oh, yes, family. Oh, look, the ground. Uh, that's that's some classic Launchpad right there. And yes, there's different actors, but uh, it looks like the fun is still going to be there. So I'm excited. As some interesting, weird Marvel news, uh, and it, you know, it was probably better when I had Eric on with me to kind of explain all this, uh, but you know, there's been some odd things going on with Captain America turning out to be a... Uh, closet agent for Hydra and things like that, and uh, I guess there's something going on with um, some sort of cosmic cube of sorts where where uh, somebody's rewriting history. I think he did he say he was the Red Skull, but uh, so with this rewriting history, now okay, this is weird because Hydra, you know, being connected with Nazis and uh, Eric Magnus or Eric Lynchier, uh Magneto as you would know him, who is a Jewish man who survived the Holocaust. Boy, has he ever got to be old now. Uh, but he is now going in with Hydra? He's supposed to be joining Hydra? Uh, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense. And they've, you know, I've seen websites that have even showed all the differences that uh, Magneto and the Red Skull have had with each other. They do not get along because Red Skull would be considered to be part of the Nazi group that uh, was, you know, 
causing the Holocaust, right? So it's kind of weird to have them at all working together, but Eric does say that there are some, like, split-off and weird divisions within Hydra that are not quite so Nazi, but there's been some uproar with the comic readers groups um, really upset about this. I myself have just stopped reading because I'm just... You know, Marvel is just in disarray to me. I, I don't like what the writers have been doing with the characters. Uh, I'm going to just continue finishing my collection from the 90s, the 80s, going further back through the uh, the issues that I really enjoyed from when I was younger. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just not enjoying anything they're doing now. But let's go on to the trailer part. All right, y'all. One more time. It don't matter what you look like. It don't nobody gonna sing with the Neverland Trailer Park Once long ago in the deep blue below There's no such thing as mermaids You wouldn't say that if you had met one This just came in It's like we've been the region And we followed stories like this before They never lead anywhere Maybe it's true, maybe it's not But there's definitely a story here Pack your bags, get going This zip has always been magic. And what about that mermaid? Well, it sure does interest me. There is some magic that is real, and some that is illusion. Wow. So let me introduce you to your dream. The Little Mermaid of the Mississippi! You're the mermaid. I am. How do you have legs? It's a secret. And I hope someone will. From We Have a Fairy Tale, about a little girl born on land, blessed with the heart of a mermaid. She was real. I was tricked. He took a part of me and he has it still. There's no power greater than mine. She can't leave without her soul. If she does, she dies. Stay away from her. She doesn't belong to you. I won't let you have her. Okay, so this is The Little Mermaid. Now, I've had people who were confused. Uh, I'm becoming... All right, a little story here. We had an event going on at the University of Central Missouri where we had this feller who in Joey Ford, and he is director of the Judge Mathis program. He worked with Oprah, I think, as a director as well for about three years. You know, done a lot of television stuff, and he had come in, and so we were having a little program, and he was going to talk to us, uh, those of us in the digital media uh, department. And uh, one of the professors, uh, I believe if uh, Dr. Newsom or Professor Newsom uh, had come in, and I've not had any classes with him, but it was interesting. It's like, oh, hey, it's the Disney guy. You know, he referred to me. He doesn't know me, but he knows I'm the Disney guy. Uh, and I, I find it to be very interesting. Uh, I guess I've done my job well over there. They know me for this podcast, and I'm the one who's creating this podcast, and that's what brought me into the university. But so people have, you know, asked me, say, oh, hey, did you hear Disney's making a Little Mermaid live action movie now? And I've had to tell him, this is not Disney. Well, from the trailer you've just heard, you should clearly be able to tell that this is not Disney, and it's barely even Hans Christian Andersen. This is a complete reinvention, uh, a whole different story, where the only thing close to being Disney is you'll see the actor who played Peter Pevensey in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia movies uh, is playing this reporter who goes and finds this actual live mermaid and kept in an aquarium as that looks like a circus sideshow of some sort, uh, where this magician has done something to steal part of her soul and has got her trapped, and somehow or another she will walk around with legs. Well, that's about all we know. Now, this could be interesting. I may want to check it out. I mean, Eric was even saying this yesterday, you know, it's it's nice to have a good, fun, family type of movie that uh, you can take the whole family to. And, uh, okay, so that might give it some credit to watch it. But this, I don't, I don't know what's up with this, and I'll have to see more before I guess I make a final decision. But I wasn't really that impressed with this. However, I did see a trailer that did have me quite impressed, and it's not Disney either. The gods gave us many gifts. One day you'll know them all. This is where we keep them. 
It's beautiful. Who would wield it? Only the fiercest among us even could. And that is not you, Diana. You will train her harder than any Amazon before her. Five times harder. Ten times harder. Never let your guard down. You expect the battle to be fair! Until she is better than even you. But she must never know the truth about what she is. Who are you? It is our sacred duty to defend the world. Whoever you are, you are in more danger than you think. Be careful, Diana. If no one else will defend the world, then I must. Welcome to jolly old London. It's hideous. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Step back. Or maybe not. Else you want to show me? What are you? I am Diana of Themyscira, daughter of Hippolyta. In the name of all that is good, your wrath upon this world is over. Yep, that's not gonna work. Put, please put the sword down. It doesn't go with the outfit. At all. Wonder Woman. Yes, this one gave a lot of backstory to uh, Diana and Themyscira learning uh, the ways of a warrior, you know, uh, and uh, learning art of combat and gaining the weapons, the sword and everything that, that, that she will take uh, to be, become Wonder Woman and defend the world. Uh, so, I've, my gosh, this looked really, really cool, I gotta say. And, I, you know, I'm a Marvel guy, although disappointed Marvel guy, not really a DC guy, but this movie looked really cool, and I'm, I'm really getting excited every time I see something about it. So I've, I've got some high hopes for this Wonder Woman film. Uh, so definitely go and check out this new trailer that just came out uh, so you can see it as well as having heard it. Hello out there in TV land. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. A Neverland podcast television review. All right, now this is a different sort of more movie review. Uh, I had intended to get a chance to go see Kong Skull Island. I do want to see that film, but I didn't get a chance to get out to the theater. Uh, I was actually doing something else, which we'll hear about in later episodes. I went to a place called Tapcade and played some some retro arcade games, which was fun, uh, including some Tron and some Star Wars. We'll get into that uh, in a later episode. But since I was there, I didn't get a chance to go to my early morning movie that I normally would have, but I did see a movie this week, but it was on TV. I was on the Disney Channel, and it was Tangled Before Ever After. This is kind of the pilot episode for the Tangled animated series, which I have been excited about. I am a big fan of the movie Tangled, and so I have high expectations for what they do in continuing the story of uh, Eugene Fitzherbert and Rapunzel. This, however, uh, I've got some complaints. Overall, yes, I did enjoy it. I liked it. It was fun. But it was not as good as I think it could have been. Uh, and I will warn you now, if you didn't get a chance to see it, it is on Disney Channel On Demand, but I'm probably going to spoil a few things, so you may want to skip ahead about 5-10 minutes. When you hear Eric, you know that it's you, you've gotten to the right place. Uh, but, okay, so they introduce a new character, Cassandra. And this series looks to be the adventures of Rapunzel and Cassandra, and Eugene kind of took a back seat. Uh, there's even a scene I really didn't like where, you know, Rapunzel has... Uh, learned of a new mystery, and there's these sto unbreakable stones, and for whatever reason Rapunzel touches one, her hair is grown back, but she does not want to tell Flynn about it because Cassandra told her not to. Now, or I should call him Eugene and not Flynn, but with a love relationship like that, there should be a trust, and she should tell him these type of things and not keep a secret like this. This is a big secret, and it really bothered me that she kept him out of the loop. At no point did she ever tell him how it happened. 
Uh, and that, that really disappointed me because it really felt like they were pushing, you know, Eugene off to the side to like, well, he's got to be there, but we don't really want to have him go around. Uh, I was expecting if they're going to have some adventures, it'd be similar to the movie where you'd have Rapunzel and Eugene having some adventures and maybe some new characters would come along with them. You know, similar to like the old Aladdin animated series where it had a lot of adventures with Aladdin and Jasmine and the genie, uh, you know, going and having some adventures and new villains and all kinds of different fun. We did get a new villain and it was weak. Uh, I had thought, you know, it, it did show that, oh, the, the main female, there's this Lady K, and it's a female, and there's, there's a new villain. I had thought Cassandra was going to turn out to be the villain because she really didn't like Eugene at all. Um, and, you know, it made sense to me that, well, of course, if I was a villain and I was going to do something bad, especially involving Rapunzel, um, and maybe I wanted her hair for myself, although this new hair is unbreakable, so I don't know how you'd steal it or use it or whatever. Um, I would want to make sure that uh, Eugene was kept out of the loop because Rapunzel can be naive. She grew up in a tower and she believed everything she was told by Mother Gothel. She's not really that experienced in the world. Um, so I could imagine that you would think, well, Eugene might be able to catch on. He's a little bit more wily. He's been out there, been a thief, and, you know, he's known some crookedness. And he might be the one thing that gets in the way to warn Rapunzel, hey, you know, we need to deal with this woman. She's, she's deceiving you. Uh, that was, of course, not the case. Um, now, some other things I would complain about. Uh, I'll get into a bit more for their story, but uh, remember back in the 90s when Disney would make straight-to-video sequels to their animated films, and they were almost a rehash of the plot of the movie with a few differences? Well, Rapunzel has exchanged her tower being locked in by someone she thinks is her mother by being locked in a palace by someone she knows to be her father. Uh, and it only gets worse by the end. It doesn't actually resolve. But uh, you do kind of understand his point of view, and he does explain it to her. She's like, you know, we had 18 years ago, we had somebody take you away from us. I'm not letting this happen again. You know, he's afraid of having something happen. And even by the end, when he finds out about the hair, it's like, this hair is exactly why somebody took you away. And so definitely, you cannot leave. Uh, so, of course, Rapunzel will be sneaking out with Cassandra through a secret passageway, which they're not going to tell Eugene about, apparently. And... Uh, Unless that's going to change in the series. We'll see. Uh, some other things, though, that really kind of bothered me that were a bit cheesy is when Rapunzel is saving the day. Okay, so you have a coronation ceremony. You should have lots of guards around. You've got the entire royal family. You've got a lot of visiting dignitaries from a lot of other neighboring countries and stuff that are there. But there's only five guards, and these five guards are actually all been replaced by thugs. But there should have been more than just five guards, shouldn't there? That seemed a little off to me. Now, of course, when they expose their plot and Lady K reveals herself after having been introduced as, for about 30 seconds as being somebody in a wig, you know, really, it was weak. And her, of course, Lady K's motivation is simply that her father was a thief and got thrown into prison because the king, after Rapunzel went missing, he went crazy trying to find whoever had stole her and, of course, had locked up every thief and everything he could in the country. That's not a bad thing. That's a king doing the right thing, protecting his people and trying to get his daughter back, you know. But, of course, Lady Kay doesn't take it like that. She takes it as, ah, oh, you locked my father up, and he was a thief. Well, guess what happens to thieves, okay? They tend to get locked up. But anyway, so she wants her revenge, so she kidnaps the king and all the dignitaries and all these lords and ladies and all that kind of stuff. So Rapunzel unleashes her hair and flings out and manages to break the door off of this uh, kind of a cart, kind of a trailer cage that the bad guys are hauling her off. Now, this obviously should have made a loud noise and should have alerted the bad guys, oh, wait a minute, something just busted back on the cage. We better go out and, you know, keep them from escaping. But we get to see the king and all the other guys just casually walking off the trailer because, you know, Rapunzel ripped the door right off with her hair. Now, how cool is that? And we'll just casually walk off. Okay, we're, the bad guy should have been on it, you know? What what takes them so long to notice that something like this has happened? Did not appreciate that. I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, at least one thing was addressed. I was thinking, yeah, hey, Rapunzel's fighting them all with doing all these things with her hair, which is really kind of fun and cool. But at some point I was thinking... You know, all you'd have to do is catch her hair and grab her hair and yank or something. Finally, one of the bad guys did do that. And I was like, okay, look, that finally makes sense. Uh, but Rapunzel does a lot of cool stuff. She even manages to snatch up a frying pan, gets it to, to Eugene. And so he's fighting with a frying pan. It was fun. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good things, but a lot of things that went wrong. It was a little cheesy, but Eric did remind me that they're probably aiming this show more for kids. Uh, and... They tried really hard to, uh, the, oh, I forgot the name of the test, but you need to have at least two female characters to have a name and have a conversation that doesn't involve a man whatsoever to appease some people. And I think that's why they brought in Cassandra, so they can make sure they had plenty of that. Uh, but there's also a really nice conversation between Rapunzel and her mother, the queen. 
you know, and that's kind of a nice conversation where it's, you know, how her mother used to kind of adventure until she decided to settle in with the king and stuff. But go and have your adventures and do your stuff because that's where you get it from. You get that from me. Of course, part of it, I think, is Rapunzel having been locked in a tower so long and wanting to be out. She does want to go out and experience the world and do things. And so that seemed like a pretty good premise already to me for uh, a, a series of her getting to go out and have all these adventures, which, you know, I hope Eugene's going to be a part of because he should be. And Cassandra could come along. She's a new character. I don't really like the character that much, but uh, maybe but she'll grow on me. Uh, the only other thing that I really enjoy that I can say about this was other than Pascal having at least one scene to be really funny, but I really like to have seen more of Pascal. I really love that little little uh, lizard, uh, little comedian. But I did love the casting of Clancy Brown as the king. That was just great, and he even sang a little bit. Which I gotta say, the songs were good, but they're not memorable. Uh, but it was fun to have some songs in there. And overall, I, mean, I did enjoy it. I will continue to watch when the series starts in a couple of weeks. But I, I really want them to do better. I was not really that impressed. I, I expected better, but maybe my expectations were too high. But anyways, that was Tangled Before Ever After. Uh, share me share with me what you think. Send us an email, podcast at everlandpodcast.com. But now let's hear from Lost Boy Eric as he had a fun trip to Universal Studios. To Disney and beyond. Oh! Well, I had the privilege of being able to go on a vacation this past week with... My family, my mother, my brother, and his middle child. Uh, we started everything off by going to Universal Studios Hollywood. Uh, one of the, the main reasons we went the to The Enemy Universal Park. <laughs> the Enemy Park, that's right. But, you know, that does not discount that they've got some uh, pretty amazing attractions and some great rides. Uh, the main reason we were going to Universal uh, is because they now have the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And we discovered that if you buy your ticket online for Universal Studios, uh, you get into the park an hour early, specifically to go to the Wizarding World. Uh, They have all of the shops open early, they've got the restaurants open early, and they've got their two rides open early, both the Flight of the Hippogriff and Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. Very cool. Now, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, oh yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, The Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey ride actually takes place within Hogwarts Castle. The entire line is walking through Hogwarts, going through the herbology uh, room. You get to go into the castle. You see all of the things that are familiar from all of the movies. You see Dumbledore's or the entrance to Dumbledore's office with the Phoenix statue. Uh, You get to see the uh, dark arts classroom. Uh, You get to go into the Great Hall. It's really a fantastic uh, queue. It's one designed to be in for quite some time, so there's a lot going on throughout it. Uh, Of course, you've got the moving uh, portraits that talk and converse with you and uh, let you know what's going on. Uh, What has happened, the story behind this is that uh, Dumbledore has invited Muggles to come to Hogwarts to watch a Quidditch match. Well, Harry, Ron, and Hermione find out about this, and they think, you know, it's not just great that Muggles can come and watch this. Why don't we get them involved in it as well? And so their plan is to give you a or get you seated into a flying cabinet that is going to follow them around the Quidditch pitch. Uh, things don't entirely go to plan, though. However, um, it, your uh, cabinet uh really starts by uh accidentally getting in touch with a dragon that hagrid has lost (laughs) um and like i said oops (laughs) exactly you fly around the castle you fly into that bridge that leads to hagrid's hut um with the dragon chasing you uh you end up in the forbidden forest where you come in contact with aragog and the other acromantulas uh, you end up flying with Harry in the uh, Quidditch game when all of a sudden Ron, who is uh, the um, keeper for the uh, for for Gryffindor House, Ron lets everybody know that uh, Dementors have shown up on the pitch, and the rest of the ride is you're to escape from the Dementors and uh, see if you can be saved by Harry shouting the Expecto Patronum. Um, you come in contact with the Whomping Willow. Uh, I can't even begin to describe this ride. It is just so amazing and detailed. And the way that it is set up using uh, that robot- robotic arm, um, 
that holds your your cabinet is just absolutely amazing. Um, you're flying through Hogwarts. You're flying around it. You're going in and out of things. And you know the the figures for the Dementors are just absolutely terrifying. Uh, they swoop in silently, and all of a sudden you look one way, you look another, and there's a Dementor right there, ready to suck out your soul. And uh, it is an incredible and thoroughly enjoyable ride. So good we went on it twice in a row. <laughs> Do they lower the temperature when you get around the Dementors? Yeah, I didn't notice, but there is so much going on that, you know, I don't think I would have noticed. <laughs> but I did not see any frost in the air, so there's that. Yeah. Now, directly across yeah, I bet from... they probably did, but they probably was so much going on, you probably were not thinking about it. But <laughs> I, that would be, if, if they left out that detail, I, this uh, that would be kind of sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, most definitely. But I'll tell you, it, it is just a fantastic ride, you know, and every ride has to a- exit through a gift shop. Well, this one you actually exit of through uh, Filch's Emporium of uh, Confiscated Items. <laughs> now, That's awesome. Let's take a ride at a Disney park. Let's take a ride right now. Oh, oh.
this as to just what a captivating creature I am in this job. Come closer if you must. Don't be shy. This here is a big Did you know its speed is such that it is rarely noticed when one wings on top of its head, which are rotated very fast. Potter! The boy who lived. The boy who survived by the seat of his pants is more like it. Ah, but your Roman style is not. It was love that saved young Harry
next to uh, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey is Flight of the Hippogriff, in which uh, Hagrid, he's not going to let you actually fly on a hippogriff. You know, you, you have to gain the respect of the hippogriff before you will even let you, right? So what Hagrid, what Hagrid has done is he has uh, come up with a wicker basket in, that's shaped like a hippogriff that you ride in. 
Now, this is a roller coaster. Uh, before you go up the lift hill, you actually see Buckbeak, and Haggard says, now bow your head. So you bow your head to ha- uh, to, hip, uh, to Buckbeak before you actually go on the ride. And Haggard says that this ride is to help you become familiar with the way that a hippogriff flies. And, you know, all in all, it's a little wild mouse coaster, but it's a fun one. Uh, and something that, uh, you know, Kids who might not be able to ride Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey may be able to ride this. It does have a height limit, uh, but it's still, again, something that's fun, something that adds a little bit more detail into uh, Hogwarts and Hogsmeade. Now, in order to even approach uh, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey and um, and this uh, Flight of the Hippogriff ride, you have to walk through Hogsmeade. You've got the Three Broomsticks Tavern on one side. Uh, Ollivander's has a little shop that you can go into and buy, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an outlet store, I guess, because it's not, you know, right there on uh, Diagon Alley, but uh, still you can go in and you can watch a wand choose a wizard. And afterwards you can buy your own wand. Uh, you can buy a replica of any of the main stars and even some of the lesser known stars. You know, I think they had like Crab and Goyle's wands in there as well as Luna Lovegood's and Xenophil's Lovegood's wands. They also had some generic wands that weren't necessarily associated with a character. But if you found that you preferred the qualities of these other wands. Do they have descriptions like, well, this one is this type of wood and this oh, yes. one has uh, this sort of a magical core? Yes, they, there there is a description as to what the different type of woods are for each of the uh, uh, wands. I didn't see that they got into the detail regarding what the core of the wands were, but they discussed that a little bit in the little, uh, as Ollivanders are uh, showing how the wand chooses the wizard. Uh, The great thing about these wands, though, is if you go ahead and buy one, uh, you have to buy an additional little package to go with it. But when you do so, you can now walk around Hogsmeade Village and at... Uh, excuse me, certain window displays, if you perform the spell correctly, you know, with the proper swish and flick, you can make things come to life within the different windows. So if you stand in front of uh, a pastry shop and swish and flick, you'll see the pastry start to move on a little turntable. If you... um, yeah, there's there's so much of this to do, and there's guides everywhere to help show you how to properly use your wand. You don't want to use your arm as you're waving your wand around. It's motions with your wrist, small and delicate, and you know they've really thought this through translate. But the best thing about the Wizarding World of Harry is that they have beer. Oh my goodness! I had to go back and get a second helping of this. Um, they they have both a, a cold and a frozen version uh-huh. here in Hollywood. Um, the frozen version I from because it was about fifty degrees throughout the day, <laughs> but the cold was just so wonderfully good. If you can imagine soda with butterscotch flavoring and then a whipped topping of butterscotch foam on the top. That's about the best way I can describe it, but it is oh so good. Um, Another little feature within Hogsmeade Village is you can get a picture with the Hogwarts Express um, at the platform in Hogsmeade. And there's a conductor there who will pose and take pictures with you and tell you how the, um, you know, tell you about the engine. There's also a small area in in an um, alcove which actually contains props from Hogsmeade Village that you can take pictures with as well. So all in all, you know, the Hogsmeade Village, Hogwarts Castle, everything, it just absolutely blows you away. It's totally immersive. And, uh, you know, this really is uh, the reason why we're now getting a Star Wars land in Disneyland is, you know, this is a way to compete with how immersive that entire experience really is. Yeah, and I'm, it's definitely on my bucket list. Oh yeah, most definitely. And you know, and now I want to go to Florida so that not only can I see the original, but I also want to see Diagon Alley in, in yeah. uh, the park there and see how that's set up and you know, check out the rides that are there as well. And I'm sure Diagon Alley is just as well set up as Hogsmeade Village with different little areas where you can use your wand and make things happen. Oh yeah, I, it's on my list. It's got I got to go. <laughs> but uh, Universal is not just the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Universal is a theme park that's built around a working studio, and they do have several different properties there that they have built attractions around. After we attended the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, we walked across the park and all got turned into minions from Despicable Me. (laughs) Were you suddenly craving a banana? Oh, yes. 
And I went around saying, be do, be do, be do, much to the chagrin of my brother and my mother. But um, no, the, the Despicable Me ride there actually turns you into a uh, minion for a short time as, uh, as Gru's daughters are planning a birthday party for him. And you go through a minion training test to see how well, you know, and if you stack up to the rest of the minions. And, you know, it's a 3D show. It's fun. Um, outside of that ride, they've got a setup for Super Silly Funland. You can get unicorns that are so fluffy there, <laughs> as well as little minions as well. Um, they've even got a little uh, Dumbo-style ride there in Super Silly Funland. Uh, Universal Hollywood, they've also got a Splash Park area set up. Unfortunately, that was under construction at the oh. time we were there. Thank goodness, because... Again, as I mentioned earlier, it was about 50 degrees. I really would not have wanted to get that cold there. You don't want to join the Polar Bear Club? <laughs> no, no, not exactly. Uh, after um, being returned back to our human forms, uh, we then went on the Studio Tram Tour. And this really is the crown jewel of Universal Studios Hollywood. They go around and see different sets, different work areas, uh, that are being used in production at Universal Studios. Uh, one of the first things you see is the soundstage that is used for the voice on NBC. Uh, the, for me, the thing that I like most about this tour is that you can get down and you can go to the courtyard set where they have the clock tower from Back to the Future set up. Awesome. You know, and I'm more partial to it because it's also the courthouse that's used in To Kill a Mockbird. Um, unfortunately, that part was not accessible on the tour, so I completely missed out on seeing that up close. And, you know, it's something I've seen before, but it still would have been great to see. But uh, we were able to see some of the set pieces for uh, the Metropolitan set, which stands in place of New York City several times. They were actually all set up to do some filming of uh, American Ninja Warrior on those uh, backlot areas. We also got to go visit, uh, go into a hot set where we got to see an earthquake take place. This is something that's been there for years uh, as a, an earthquake takes place in supposedly San Francisco and a subway train comes in and almost crashes into the tram and then there's a flash flood that comes down the into the subway area. Um, they've also got a 3D attraction uh, based around Peter Jackson's King Kong movie, where Kong is battling uh, Tyrannosaurus Rexes on both sides of your tram and even going over it, and you feel your tram move, and unfortunately, you end up falling into the slime pit with all of those oversized Ew. insects and everything. Fortunately, we get away, but still, it's a pretty uh, neat-looking attraction that's uh, in 3D. Um, we also got to go around the little Euro sets uh, where they filmed a lot of their classic monster movies, uh, as well as uh, Six Points, Texas, which is where a lot of the westerns were filmed. This is also the area where their classic um, uh, flash flood scene happens, where you hear a storm off in the distance, and then all of a sudden thousands of gallons of water come rushing through this little Mexican village up to your tram and threaten to overwhelm you. Uh, they've also got the Jaws attraction, where you know the shark comes up and tries to get you as you're in the tram as well. Uh, also on the tour, you go through the sets for Whoville from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Uh, you go through a replica of the uh, Bates Motel and... Norman Bates and his mother's home up on the hill. Uh, you also go through the set piece used from War of the Worlds with the uh, plane that crashed into a suburban neighborhood. And you see all sorts of destruction and you can hear a police car siren going off. Uh, you even see an airplane engine revving up and running. Uh, we went down through the residential area where the Munster's house was and where all of the homes for the... Awesome. Oh yeah, unfortunately it no longer looks like it. But I turned to my dad and said, yeah, that's the Munster's house right there, as we passed it. And then as we turned around and came back, it was then that the guy said, oh, yeah, this was the Munster's house. It's also more better known to modern audiences as Wisteria Lane from Desperate Housewives. Uh, so, again, some really interesting yeah. things. The entire tram tour ends with a um, Fast and the Furious attraction. Again, it's another 3D uh, show where you've got Dominic Toretto in his charger on one side and you've got 
I don't even remember what The Rock's character name is, but he's in his Hummer on the other side, and you've got this drug dealer who's trying to stop the tram because there's a an informant that's on the tram. And again, it's exciting, it's fun, it's 3D. Yeah, a little underwhelming to me, but still, you know, really, like I said earlier, the tram tour is the really the crown jewel that's there at Universal Studios Hollywood. Uh, sometimes you might see somebody important uh, out walking. Most of the time you don't, but still, it's fun because you really do get a r- really up close with the sound stages and the actual production areas where things are being filmed and where a lot of stuff happens. You drive past the bungalows for Amblin, uh, for... Uh, you know, there, I saw one spot where there was a parking spot set up specifically for Robert Zemeckis. Cool. So, you know, there, the, the possibility is there. Um, after we took the tram tour, we rode the Simpsons ride, which, uh, places you in crusty land and, uh, sideshow Bob is there to murder everybody, including you, even <laughs> though you have nothing to do with the Simpsons. <laughs> and it's a takeoff on just about every single trope of uh, theme parks and even a pretty classy uh, takeoff on Pirates of the Caribbean where you've got dinosaurs in, uh, in a pirate village. Um, it, it's fun. Unfortunately, that show or that attraction replaced the Back to the Future ride, which I was more partial to. I happened to be wearing a Back to the Future yeah. shirt and one of the... Uh, workers there said hey you're in the future for the ride that used to be here (laughs) okay (laughs) uh after the simpsons it was time to go down to the lower lot uh universal studios is uh takes place is set up mostly on a hill where they have their upper lot and then down uh on the valley floor of the san fernando valley and you have to take a series of four escalators to get from one level to the other on the bottom level, they have Jurassic Park The Ride, which is a river ride in which you go through, you see a few dinosaurs, and then everything goes wrong. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, where you are having to splash down in a pool while being chased by a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, cool. Uh, also down on the lower lot is The Mummy The Ride, which is a roller coaster. Um, t- takes place in the old building that had been used for E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Complete 180-degree change in theming for that building. Uh, yeah. But that that's a neat uh, linear-powered roller coaster. Not too many hills, but a lot of loops and corkscrews and inversions within there. Uh, but you also uh, get a surprise when it starts to go backwards as well. Also on the lower lot is Transformers the Ride in which you're paired up with a an Autobot named Evac uh, as you try to protect the AllSpark from the Decepticons. And that, cool. again, you go back and forth. You've got screens. See, there's a, a lot going on. It's another 3D attraction. Um, and again, uh, just a, a way to get involved in into the entire world of the Transformers series, the Michael Bay Transformers. Um Aside from that, there's a few other things going on. Uh, there's a 4D show for fr- 4D show for Shrek, uh, which takes place immediately after the first Shrek movie. And there's also an animal actor stage, which unfortunately we did not get to see. But they do have a special effects show where you get to see how they do a lot of practical effects, some CGI. Uh, there's a, a portion of the show where they set a stuntman on fire. Uh, They say, you know, he'll be on fire for about eight seconds. In our case, the guy was on fire for about 16 seconds and running about and flailing about. Uh, You learn about how they can composite uh, figures into a movie uh, with an astronaut that uh, really kind of loses control uh, while hanging from the ceiling. And all it it was a fun show. And really, the the day that we spent at Universal, we, we... Fortunately, we're able to get just about everything that the park had to offer in for the day. Again, really, the the crown jewel is the studio tour, but the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, oh my goodness. It, it has to be seen to be believed, and I certainly hope you have an opportunity to visit one of them, either in Hollywood or in Florida. Uh, do they have a Spider-Man ride in Hollywood? Not in Hollywood, but that happens to be in Florida at their Islands of Adventure ride. In fact, uh, I think the Spider-Man ride inspired the uh, Transformers ride. 
Speaking of Disney getting Marvel into the parks, our second day was actually spent at Disney California Adventure. All right. But we're going to have to carry that into next time because we're really running out of time today. <laughs> All right. Well, definitely. We'll, we'll hold that for next time. <laughs> Yep, and I'm sure you've got a lot of fun stories to tell, so everybody better come back and hear the rest. Oh, and it's not all just Disney either. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.